but you want but you, but you want the authentic experience so you've got to play it on the ps3 mate what who are you arguing with no one <laughs> i think i think little jimmy should go fuck himself is what i'm trying to say uh <laughs> Welcome to the Well Played DLC podcast, Australia's juiciest gaming podcast. I'm Zach Jackson, joined by Adam Ryan. Hello there. Nathan Hennessy. Hello. And uh, making his long-awaited return is James Wood. Hello. How are you, James? I am not too bad. Freezing uh, my... Can I say ass on this podcast? You can say anything. <laughs> She's a free for all, mate. You go for <laughs> She's it. She's a free for all. Excellent. Uh, yeah, no, is it, like it's, PG. Well, that's it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Uh, no, it's pretty cold here in Adelaide. Um, so I am, I'm a little nippy tonight. Uh, but other than that, you know, just thrilled to be here. When you say cold in Adelaide, what sort yeah. of degrees are we talking? Oh, I don't look at numbers. I just go by feeling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fair enough. Um, you two lads, nice to see you again. As always, mate. Adam, uh, a little birdie told me you've had a hard time keeping your eyes open. Uh, was was the little birdie me three minutes ago that told you that? It, it, it was you, yes. It was. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've got the old shit eye. What can you do? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, mate. Got some got some ointment in that bad boy at the moment. She's clearing right up. Do you put, do you put ointment in your eyes? Is, is, is that a thing? Yes. That's wild. Absolutely, you do. In your... Oh. I thought you yeah, just mate. did like like the eye drops. No, nah, mate, I'm I'm uh, shooting substance right in those eyes to to get them cleared up. Nice. He puts ointment in his eyes. Ice cream out of a mug. He's all upside down. Yeah. The, the ice cream out of a mug. I don't want to bring this up again, but it does oh. make sense. It's got a fucking handle, and you use a spoon. All right, come on. Let's uh, let's ask James. James is. Yeah, like no, I mean, I don't know if you all saw my tilted head. There it was like what? Like yeah, I yeah, mean, like I, I get that you eat it with sake. a spoon, but. No, <laughs> there's not enough of a <laughs> circumference to get the spoon in. Like I, that's that's a strange choice, <laughs> my friend. What if someone made like a bowl but with a handle? That's like, a fucking mug. What you've just described no, but is like, a mug. I'm talking, I'm talking like a big bowl, like a massive bowl, like a big mug. Get fucked, Nathan. How are you, mate? How are you? I'm so much better for this. So much better. <laughs> I come in feeling a bit, uh, a bit drowsy, a bit unenthused, but now I've perked right up. Yeah, all, all it takes is me getting shit on for a couple of minutes, <laughs> and then we're right back into it. Look, it's fun, isn't it? You know, look, just how you feel tonight is how I feel most weeks. So. <laughs> the Zach Jackson experience. It's lovely. What'd you rate that? 8.5? Oh, go fuck yourself, mate. <laughs> <laughs> One Outriders out of 10. Very nice, very nice. All right, well, uh, we've got a big night. I don't think we have really very big show though i think there's not a lot to talk about uh kv will be stopping by uh to chat all things xenoblade so we'll we'll get to that in a bit but uh what have you other three been playing that's not content uh over the past week adam i want to start with you because you got something to make me very very excited yes i'm guessing it's me finishing the artful escape i would hope it is uh And that game, front to back, is absolutely wonderful. And if I had played it 
within the 24 hour, 24 hour, within the 12 month period that was last year, it would be in the, the conversation for my game of the year. Cause it is the most creative and most engaging thing I've played in a really long time. Like, I think I had a big dumb smile on my face with through pretty much every frame of that game. It's absolutely brilliant. And Zach, I can see why you love it so much. Thank you. James, have you, uh, have you dabbled? Uh, no, I just had to look it up to remember what it was. Uh, and I saw the box art and was like, oh, it's like the dad rock game. Um, it was my understanding of, of that thing. Just based on Twitter discourse alone, like I don't have a, a horse in the race. So um, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it though. Yeah, it's brilliant. I had a great old time with it. That's the, the best description of that game I've heard. The though. That's dad fantastic. rock game. Cough that. Nice. Uh, anything else that you've been playing? Um, I've played a bit more Fortnite and the game is really good and I hate it and I hate myself. It is um, though, isn't it? It really is. Like yeah. it's, it's way better than it has any right to be. I still feel old playing it. Like it's very yeah. targeted towards kids. It's very well, now powerful. I know how you got conjunctivitis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a very good call. That is very good. Um, outside outside of that, <laughs> uh, I've been jumping into a bit of multiverses with the, the open beta that went live a couple of days ago. Um, I'm still shit. The game is still really, really good though. Um, and lastly, because I love the game to pieces, I've been playing more Returnal, doing some Tower of Sisyphus and trying to better my score of like 2.5 million, something ar- around that, around that. It's, uh, I thought it was really good. And then I went and looked at the leaderboards and humbled myself, but <laughs> having a grand old time with that as well. So just quickly on multiverses. Remind me what that is. Like, like, I know what it is, but it's not like Tekken, is it, with a bunch of characters? It's no, more like... It's it's more yeah. like a, a Warner Brothers character style um, Smash Brothers game. So it's a... Right. You punch each other until you launch them into the stratosphere. That's that's pretty much what she goes. 2D who, platform uh, fighter? Yeah, yeah. I think so. If you if you wanted to chuck a like a genre name on it, I reckon. And who have you been um, playing as? Who's been Batman. the... Obviously Batman. <laughs> oh. Who are the characters in it again? Batman. Like the main... That's it. That's all you need to know, mate. <laughs> it doesn't uh, have a huge lineup at the moment. Is there, is there a dozen or less? There's. Hang on. I'll look it up while we're having a look. There's but a they've big... already announced three more fighters that will be in the game. One starting tomorrow, um, another one that starts at season one, and another one during the, the course of season one that we'll get to in the news a little bit later on. Tease, Ooh. tease, tease. Um, but regardless of it being a relatively small roster. They all feel super, super unique, um, mm. which is really cool. They do have like archetypal uh, classes, but even the characters in those classes feel really unique. So it's, yeah, it's surprising. It's definitely not a game in a genre that I'm super interested in. And as I said before, I'm really super shit at it. But with that aside, I'm having a grand old time. So that says a lot about the the quality of the game. Nice. Yeah. James, yes. what, have, uh, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? I have been spending most of my weekends lately uh, co-oping Returnal um, because I did the PlayStation upgrade and finally, you know, instead of paying $120 for one game, I decided to get it the smart way. Um, 
And I'm a bit sad that I waited for it because I, I think it's exceptional. Um, where I just beat the second biome, like the desert place. Um, and just vibes are immaculate, aesthetically gorgeous. Um, mechanically, one of the tightest things I've ever played. Um, like every time I die, it's, it's the FromSoft thing, right? It's like, oh, when I die, I know it's because I fucked up, not because the game fucked me up. Um, and I'm not sure if that changes later on. Like I've seen some clips from later that look kind of bullshitty and I can't wait to get to it based on um, <laughs> my current experiences. Um, but that's been that's been really good uh and i've also been grinding through monster hunter rise it's been my like before bed i just got to switch oled so i wanted to play something pretty on it um bounced off world pretty hard because of the just sheer amount of stats that i had to contend with in that game and mm. rise so far at least seems pretty happy to let me just swing my big thing around and pat my dog so um you know yeah that, that was a very good summary of, of the difference between those two <laughs> games. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. If only Jordan was here. Um, I agree. Yeah. Just just quickly, because uh, we've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast. So that's the the price of games and like the mm. value and, and what they're worth. So you said that you didn't uh, shell out the one twenty for Returnal. Yeah. Now that you've played it, do you feel like it's worth it or? Um, what's your opinion what's your quick opinion on on the price of video games yeah i don't think any game is worth 120 um i think that as australians we just fundamentally pay too much like the especially on the digital market that that's the part that like kind of really trips me up a little bit um retailers are going to do what they have to do to sort of survive in a increasingly shitty market and so that i don't begrudge them so much and also obviously as we see one then we see like the 69 dollars launch titles a fair bit and so they're still playing ball um but digitally I'm not going to give Sony 11995 um for for any game. Maybe Bloodborne, maybe. But, you know, that's that's <laughs> the whole other thing. Um I, I do think Returnal is like again, it's exceptional. I would pay full price for it if full price was reasonable. I guess is my stance. So the question that well, just I, I want to quickly quickly talk about it. Adam's shaking his head, but what what defines reasonable? So because games haven't really had a price increase for like a long time, like, you know, um, and we go back to, you know, back in the day when they were more expensive and they're cheaper now, but they're a lot more mm-hmm. expensive to make. How do you justify what's, what's, what's a reasonable price? Well, I mean, okay. So, I mean, there's two ways of approaching that, right? Like you could approach it as you could do a bunch of research into the industry, give a very sort of like fully considered answer, which I think is probably the angle that you've looked at it from. And I don't, I don't begrudge anybody that like, like you said, these are expensive things to make. A lot of people make them. I, I understand there's a lot of moving parts, right? But then on the flip side of that, we are just consumers at the end of the day and it's not my responsibility to regulate a market like that. Um, and so I don't think... 120 is a reasonable cost for a just an individual dude trying to play a video game on a Sunday night to have to grapple with, uh, mm. especially from a company like Sony who can afford to not charge that. Like what, what do they say? Like that $10 extra they were going to do for PS5 games. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, it's just a lot of money is my yeah. uh, nuanced opinion. Pretty, uh, pretty James fair. Summed, he summed up a, an argument that we've had that's been going on for hours upon hours of, of recording. In, in like within 30 a, seconds. Within, within <laughs> about a minute, yeah. Well, I don't think there's a there's a right and wrong answer. I think every yeah. body's no. different, every, every title's different. Um, yeah, and that's... Yes. Because there was one a of things... conversation around Returnal, right? Because of its... Uh scope let's say I, I think people were a bit antsy about the price based on that and i, I think True. that that is probably not a great way to to 
measure value on these things, right? Like I could play like a two hour indie and be like, yeah, this is worth 60 bucks because it's an exceptional experience. Um, you know, length, like uh, mechanical depth, sorry. Like the artful escape. <laughs> like the, like the dad rock game. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, like, I think there's a lot of ways that we can, uh, measure value. Um, I just think, you know, we always have to measure the value of our own dollar, uh, as mm. well. So, yeah, and no, I definitely agree that, uh, as games get more expensive, people afford, or can afford less and that's why this in one one part why i think game pass and things like that are, are really good but i also think this is why game pass uh, devalues games to to, yes. to an extent yeah agreed yeah. so yeah because uh, then it makes people go well this game isn't worth full price i'm just going to wait for a sale game pass whatnot um mm-hmm. anyway nathan talk to us what have you been playing over the past week so only a couple of hours uh, outside of, of content. So one of those hours was Stray. Uh, getting into just the first introductory hour of that was very much impressed, but had a lot of struggle trying to play it because uh, you may recall I asked in the last podcast, Mark, how he went with the cat noises uh, attracting his cat. <laughs> well, he said it didn't bother his cat too much. My cat's got real riled up. So whether it was coming from the controller, the meows, or from the TV... They'd be darting back and forth from the couch to the TV. They'd be sitting on the sound bar. They'd be pouring around the TV. They'd be cl- trying to climb over the TV, behind the TV, just trying to find these these cats. Uh, it would get to the point where they'd be constantly switching the sound bar off or just like getting too much <laughs> in front of the TV that I couldn't play it. So I played the first hour. I think it was pretty entertaining. I got more entertainment value out of watching the cats just flip out. Uh, the other game was Warframe. So this is a game I come back to maybe once a year. And it's always a game that whenever I stop playing it and come back to it, I always wonder why do I ever stop playing it? Because it's just, it seems to me one of the best examples of a free-to-play live service game where I don't know that I've ever paid a dollar for it, but would always be happy to do so because it just, I, I don't know, the 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 economy of that game is so generous Um and it's just such a tight game. Like they just put, they pump so much content into it every time I come back. I I just don't know how other games compete with it, but they do. It's very impressive. Um, yeah, I know if Jordan was here, he'd, he'd have a few few cents to put on that one as well. <laughs> but yeah, Warframe, what a good time. Nice, very nice. Uh, for me, it's just been GTA Five, pushing yes. through that, and then a um, review game. So I've actually last night before whatever uh we i played that torture scene uh, mm-hmm, that apparently mm-hmm. is a quite uncomfortable for a, a few well for a lot of people or something or it was am i remembering that correctly yeah no pe- yeah, people had a pretty a pretty big problem with it back when the game yeah, right. first launched um i said this to to anna i was like oh, apparently like a lot of people had issues with this with this scene she just did <laughs> Dim bad an eyelid, mate. She goes, it no, might have been a, a slow news week at the time. She goes, it's a video game. Like it's <laughs> it's <laughs> grow up. <laughs> so um, there you go. No, it's uh, Trevor's definitely entertaining. So um, yeah, he's he's pretty good worth. I'll uh, I'll give him that. The, the bloke um, is also an actor, and like in a lot of media, he appears in TV shows, and that he pretty much channels the Travis character as well. Is he in Westworld? Is that the I same dude? I don't know, but I've seen him in like Broad mm. City, Better Call Saul. Um, what else? I can't think off the top of my head, but yeah, he, he can tra- he can channel Travis real well, eerily so. 
Uh, sorry. Um, all right, so we'll move straight into, I guess, the main topics, I think. I think that's all we've got. Nathan, do you want to start us off with the review? The, sorry, the game that you've been reviewing. Yeah, so this one won't take very long. Uh, so we've got here <laughs> My Little Dictator. So a um, bit, bit unusual one to come across my desk, but this here is a visual novel featuring, or rather taking place during World War Two. It's a satire of World War Two, featuring Lolita-fied dictators and world leaders of the period. So we've got uh, Adolf Hitler, Winston Churchill... Joseph Stalin and all these sort of world leaders of the time that have been sort of gender bent into this, uh, yeah, like little leader chicks that you are going to romance as a character called Yamato Yamamoto, a <laughs> Japanese warrant officer that has been exchanged with Germany to as a kind of like exchange, diplomatic exchange of military minds. But really, you've been sent on a secret mission by the uh, Japanese to assassinate what they feel is a uh, growing warlord brewing in Europe. Now, one of the impressive things about this game, despite the fact that it's got such an odd premise, is the epic scope. And I don't use epic lightly. This starts well before World War II, uh, pretty much... It, it, it sort of kind of takes place at the end of World War One to sort of set up the context of what Europe is sort of going through and its tensions and why Germany is kind of in the place that it is that uh, that a tyrant can brew and that tyrants are able to brew in in the sort of power voids left after World War One. So it very slowly builds its story through the start of World War Two. During it takes uh, a lot of time to invest in its characters and geopolitical machinations between the sort of conflicts that start to erupt as tensions arise between neighbouring nations. So this is very much a game that really revels in its military history. If you don't have that sort of appreciation for the the minutiae of World War II military history, then there is a lot of there's a lot lost in terms of its humour because it's always satirizing all the little events that are happening here and it's very well written with respect to that. Um, couple of issues I had in terms of that writing, though, is it uses aliases for all of the names of the characters, armaments, vehicles, um, countries, and it can get a little bit convoluted at times. So the easier examples here is Germany's referred to as Germania, Britain's referred to as Britannia. That's not so bad. Um, the Netherlands goes by some country starting with B. I don't even know where they bring that from. And, and some other countries are just really whacked. Um, there's also this issue where a lot of words are just bastardized, like communism. They can't refer to it as communism. They refer to it as communism. So it gets a bit garbled at times, which is a bit odd for a game that's over 50 hours in length of pretty much like writing. It's a text-heavy adventure with a few decisions along the way, which is going to determine which world leader that you're going to pursue in the romance, because for whatever reason, you're just an inherently desirable Japanese fella. He doesn't have a whole lot of charisma. He's a bit of a man-child, but all of these... And when I say Lolita, they're very... And this might be disturbing for some, but they're very childlike uh, female leaders. So anyway, we've got Hitler, who was a, a Dorafina Hitora. We've got... Uh, yeah, so Stalin is... Uh, Lo Yo 
Losafina Starin, um, Churchill, little female, little pot-bellied female Churchill is Winstafina Churchill. Not too, not too hard to follow there. But ultimately, um, they kind of just try and push the, the the significance of some of the horrors and atrocities to the side in terms of servicing the satire. The game is very upfront in saying, you know, we, we don't support any of the horrors of World War II, and for the most part, treads fairly carefully. So I wasn't too distressed about that, but some people will find that some of the content may be a little bit upsetting. That would be perfectly understandable. So there's a weird kind of Venn diagram here that I noticed in the game. It's just kind of like you need to find someone that fits into the kind of appreciation of a Rule 34 Hitler, uh, modern military history, and visual novels. That's You can kind of imagine that's a really weird niche to try and fit into. And I kind of... I kind of did fit into it in a weird way because I didn't <laughs> dislike this game. Uh, it, I had its is- it, I had issues with it. One of the big ones is it's got these Pokemon-flavoured battles. Okay, so they look exactly like you'd expect from a Pokemon game. So you've got your two sides of units facing off one another. Um, and particularly during the mid-game when all the conflicts are starting to erupt, the writing is constantly interrupted by these fights on all these different fronts. So you'll go into battle, you'll get these kind of command points to select different units. Um, So you'll find, you'll pick up these units. There's no real, there's no real clear, obvious value to what the units are other than the fact that they have levels assigned. There's no XP in this game. They just have an arbitrary level. A tank might be level 54. Another tank might be level 40. And the level 40 tank might cost more than the level 50 tank for whatever reason. There's no explanation given. So you just pump in the, the you know, highest level units, go into battle and then they, you just start throwing attacks at one another. So you might be throwing multi breadsticks and bolognese sauce in one instance, and then in another instance you're firing artillery. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's fine. Looks cute. My issue is there's no strategy here. It's very random. There's no tactical information given. You're literally just picking, okay, this attack does 2,000 damage. The other one does 1,000. I'm going to pick the one that does 2,000 and keep spamming it. Problem is... Um, the game has this issue where everything's heavily, heavily random and you'll constantly just, you might be in a fight where the game just goes, you went to throw a baguette, it misfired. You went to throw a baguette, it misfired. And this will just happen like four times in a row. You'll die, game over, you'll reload, do the same battle again, you'll get every hit, every hit will be a critical and you'll completely wipe the opponents. So there's no, the difficulty just goes all over the place depending on how the, the, the dice roll. It, there's... No strategy, there's no tactics, it's pure luck, complete crapshoot, and it ends up taking significant portion of the mid-game, hours upon hours, of these interruptions to the writing. So I completely hated the combat, quite like the writing. Just to quickly wrap this one up, so I appreciated the satire, quite oddly whimsical, despite the subject matter. This is really dark shit, and yet it finds its visual novel whimsy in it. I think there's something to be commended there extraordinary scope as i said it took me 50 hours to to reach the credits it would take me a lot longer to reach all the other endings i think there's at least six endings there's an ending for pretty much every love interest and there's a there's a few of them there's a lot of lolita dictators in uh in 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 europe at the time apparently um didn't absolutely hated the con the combat so i'd say play the game on easy because it will let you just skip the combat entirely um, didn't find some of the substituted aliases that uh, intuitive. In fact, it it became points where I just glaze over parts of the story because I couldn't tell who was who. And yeah, that that midsection 
all the combat just takes over the writing, and that's a shame because the writing is the strength of this game. So in short, as I said, if you fit into that weird Venn diagram, then this is a game that will satisfy for dozens of hours. I just don't know who you are. I don't know who the audience is. So I gave this one a 6.5. That's what I have to say. It's a real oddity, but I didn't dislike it, and I thought I would initially. And Adam has a question. Go for it, my man. There's only one question. Um, yeah. A, this sounds like a fucking fever dream of a game. I know, doesn't it? You took me on an absolute trip where you were describing everything and then you were like, oh yeah, there's Pokemon combat as well. So it's the fuck, that is, the, <laughs> stra- that the, is the strangest game I've ever heard of. But there's only one question, Nathan, and it is, who was your little dictator? Who did you choose? I... She was just so damn cute, despite the fact that she was such a yonderi. She would, she treated me mean the whole time, but there was something so damn cute about her. And she's such a sexy little unit. It was Hitora. I had to stick with. <laughs> oh. And the funny thing is, okay, I got to quickly say this. Now you know that Hitler was like, wasn't there like forty plus failed assassination attempts on Hitler? Well, yeah, you're right. responsible for those fucking forty <laughs> failed assassination attempts. And it gets to the <laughs> end of the game, and the game's like offering you a choice, like, do you want to kill her? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'll give her a hug. I'm kind of, I'm liking her. So by the end of the game, I, I don't, I didn't kill her, and it does. I don't think she was able to be killed anyway. I mean, there's some twists along the way where she's, um. She, she pretty much godlike anyway. She's got like armies of the undead and stuff like that. I think she was meant to survive and she survived in my heart. There was definitely some of the girls <laughs> I didn't like. And if I was going to leave her behind, um, Goebbels, Jobels, uh, anyway, uh, Germany's propaganda minister was also into me. So that was a love interest that I was going to kind of take uh, or Stalin, Stalin. So there was, a, there was definitely a few choices. I know that um, it's Italy's... Mussolini or Mussolini was definitely gunning in as well. So there was definitely a lot of options on the table, but it was Hitler at the end of the day. I never thought I'd have someone explain to me that they had to choose between Hitler, Goebbels and Mussolini as a love interest. So I know. And I'll, here uh, we are. I'll tick that one off the bucket games, list. Bro, you know. Right? <laughs> what a good time. Definitely not bored this year. Yeah, right. Thank, thanks thanks, to Zach Jackson for sending this one my way. He he knows quality when he sees it. <laughs> well, they must have... I think, I think they saw your uh, review for... What was the one? Corpse the, Factory, yeah. Corpse Factory. I might have to be the resident VN dude around here and look, it's, yeah. it's, it's not the worst job. All right, well, there you go. Um, okay, so I've been... I have no <laughs> idea what happened to, to Adam's mic there, but sure. Um, while, while Adam's away, we'll quickly go through the, um, um, shout outs to give. And this week we've got one for Dylan Blaru, who reviewed Mothman 1966, uh, which is, I th- think a visual novel, is it? No, it's not. I think I made, I think I made that up because you were talking about visual novels. <laughs> anyway, it's a game. Um, it is. I'll read his. It looks like a visual novel-ish adjacent. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought I like read that it was a visual novel. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's got this like yeah old school like pixel art and stuff. Anyway, so his uh, his his um, summary here is that Mothman 1966 is a welcome first entry to the Pixel Pulp series of interactive retro adventures, telling a quality story about the. Oh, fuck, I can never say that. Leonid meteor shower of 1966 and the strange events that surrounded it unfortunately the gameplay fails to be anywhere near as interesting but the package is not without its charm he gave it a 6.5 
and that came out July 14 uh, from LCB Game Studio and Chorus Worldwide. Shout out to the code. But yeah, you can check out the review on the website. Um, I think that's all for shout outs this week. Let me have a quick look. Yep, that's pretty much it. The other one that we'll quickly uh, give a shout out to, and that's James. You reviewed the Resident Evil Netflix uh, mm, TV series. We are doing a spoiler cast discussion. So that'll be up probably before this podcast is even up. So uh, if you want to go and listen to our thoughts on that's uh, that uh, the first series there from uh, Netflix and uh, from Netflix's spin on Resident Evil, you can go and listen or check out James's review, which is an absolute stunner. Um, mm. I oh, read it. Thank you. <laughs> read it uh, a couple of hours ago, and it was I was like, this this is too good for well played. So <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, too kind. Go check it out. Speaking of reviews, one that's not quite as good as James's, but. Still goes all right. And that's I reviewed uh, Lord Winklebottom Investigates, which I think we've spoken about before on the podcast, maybe when um, I was talking about demos or something that, that I've played. But it's a point-and-click adventure uh, where you play as... It's basically a anthro... I can never say this word fast. Anthropomorphic? Anthro, anthropomorphic, whatever that is, uh, spin on Sherlock Holmes and Watson. I don't know why I can't say that word. It's just it's a pass, yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, so it's basically a animal spin on Sherlock Holmes and uh, Agatha Christie sort of novels. It features a uh, giraffe as as sort of Sherlock and a hippopotamus as uh, as like the Watson. Um, you know, uh, Lord Wigglebottom, who is who is the giraffe? He's got a top hat and monocle and a and a pipe. Uh, Doctor Frumple, the hippo, he's got like he's he's always carrying like a little thing, like a little uh, mug of tea uh, and like a little bowler hat and stuff. And he's in like a suit. So it's uh, yeah, you know, it, it's it's uh, one of those kind kind of games. And that, that's one thing that that first drew me to it. Actually, the first thing that drew me to it, and I asked the developer this, but has anyone here? I know I've asked this. Might have asked this off potty last week, but anyone read the Graham Base books or know of Graham Base? Ooh, yes. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if if you have a quick Google of Graham Base, the Eleventh Hour. This is a book that I read when I was like a kid, like a, like like a very young kid. Uh, and this game gives me huge Eleventh Hour vibes. Basically, Eleventh Hour was like a a beautiful like Graham Base has got like beautiful art. Um, mm. And it's like, you know, anthropomorphic fucking word, uh, world, uh, where like, it's like a party for like an 11 year old, um, oh, kid. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. This. yeah. And the, and basically the book is like a mystery. So you got to analyze the clues within the book. And then at the back of the book is like the sealed section where you can actually get the answers and, and stuff. So that sort of art style, uh, and I guess the premise, um, is is uh, very very similar to to this game, but yeah, I mean, in terms of its actual gameplay, it's you know point and click as they come. Uh, the only thing different, I guess, to a lot of point and clicks is that you don't actually move around in the universe. So it's kind of like a one of like the hidden object kind of games where you have like a scene and you just move your cursor around in the world and you know find and interact with items that way. You don't actually move the characters themselves through through the world like you would in like a broken sword, for example. Um, 
uh, but the, the, the artwork is is fantastic. It's all hand painted. It's like the, all these are back like backdrops are hand painted, and there's a bunch of different. So the the story is that uh, Lord Winklebottom and Doctor Thumple have been called to this island uh, by one of their friends. Uh, he's like a explorer named Aristotle Guilfrey, and he's actually been murdered. Uh, so when you arrive on the island, there's a bunch of people that have been called to the island for some big announcement. But yeah, he's been he's been murdered. So then it's up to you to kind of uh, investigate and and figure out who who did it. Uh, so you, most of the game is spent in the house. So in, in Lord uh, Aristotle Guilfrey's house. The the downside to this there's, there's only so many rooms, and with point and clicks there's a lot of like a lot of backtracking while you try and figure out like what's the next. Uh, item that you need or what do you need to interact with next to sort of you know make the make the progress so it does kind of become a little bit repetitive in that sense because there's only maybe f six rooms in the house so you spend about five hours maybe four and a half hours in those six rooms um and, you know certain items in, in the world don't become items of use until certain trigger points in the, the story so there might be like a photograph on a bookshelf for example and you might need that photograph five hours in, but for the first five hours, it's just there on on the bookshelf. Pretty simple stuff if you've played a point-and-click game before. The best thing about it is uh, the art style, but also the writing. So it's actually quite funny, but it's a very, very dry humor. Like it's a very British-style um, comedy that, that they're like going for. So if, if you like that British sort of dry humor you'll you'll like this uh there's a lot of subtle digs that um and i quite liked it. it's not like funnies and like you're not like bursting out like laughing it's you know like little things that make you like like little quips that sort of make you laugh uh there was one where because obviously they're talking because uh, lord Bucklebottoms he's a detective and he's talking about someone who's stolen something um and one of the comments that dr frumple makes because he's usually the one with all the little little jabs he's just sort of said you know all, all you've done all day is, is is pick up items that aren't yours kind of thing you know just you know like 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 poking fun at that style of gameplay in there like another one is like you know he goes um you know i have no idea how you keep all these items you know given given you, you've like got no arms or like something like that so it's just like little stuff like that it's it's quite clever and the voice acting is quite good it only goes for about six to you could probably finish it within six to eight hours the downside of it uh, that I didn't really like is that even though it is a like murder mystery, you don't really have much say in the actual investigation as such. So you're simply like the developer who uh, Cave Monsters, which is actually a single female d developer. Uh, they're like they they are telling a story, and and you're just everything that you do is just part of the story. So there's no like agency to kind of, it's not like a Sherlock Holmes game where you can actually investigate multiple people and make your own deductions. It's basically you, you just go along for the ride in the story. And that part was a little bit disappointing because it kind of feels like a bit wasted, like you're doing all this stuff and it's for no real point other than to get to that part of the story. Uh, puzzles, pretty simple. Uh, nothing that was overly challenging. You can, there's a, a little teacup in the right hand corner. So if you want a hint, um you can get like a little nudge from frumple it's only one hint so if you don't pick up what you like if you don't sort of get it what uh, what he's saying you could be stuck it's it's not really a game that you get it's not that hard though like most of the puzzles are pretty simple again it's the biggest thing is you often know what you have to do it's just what item you need 
to to get to make that occur. So pretty good. I gave it a seven point five. Um, fun, pretty funny. Artwork is beautiful. Writing's very very good. Um, pretty charming. Uh, but yeah, I didn't didn't love. Uh, by the end of the game, it could have used a few more locations just in it because it did kind of. I kind of got sick of going back and forth between the rooms of the house. You do actually explore on the island, so there is like a. You can explore the island that that you're on. It is very minimal. There's only a couple of locations that you that you can go. Um, there's actually a very a pretty cool neat twist in the story. Yeah, so that and the um, the lack of sort of player agency in the investigation sort of dropped down just a, a tiny bit. But yeah, if you like if you like point point and click games, I think you'll definitely enjoy this. And yeah, it's uh, 1920s themed, so there's like a pretty neat soundtrack with it too, which, uh, that suits it. So yeah. Hmm. On go. the top on the topic of anthropomorphic, <laughs> that oh, word again. Anthrop- I can't fucking say. <laughs> <laughs> anthropomorphic. Point and click, uh, let's say, murder mysteries to an extent. Do you ever play the Sam and Max games? Or game? I know the of OG? them, but I've never... That's the dog one, isn't it? Sam and yeah, Mr. the dog and the bunny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know of it, but never, have, have, never played it, no. Because mm, mm. what you say in there, it kind of reminds me of that in some instances, but the humour, very different because it's very maybe leans a bit more towards American humour, but, but mm. easily more on the laugh-out-loud side of things, whereas what you're saying kind of it's just like elicits a chortle here yeah, and there. Yeah, it's a, it's a That's a good word, chuckle. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, like, I uh, sneakily gave you, like, a little quick sh- showing last week after the potty, so you, you kind of got a, you got a little taste of what was uh, what they were going for. Yeah, definitely the lighter, lighter scale of the chuckle, Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. But again, that's perhaps that's just us. <laughs> yeah. Look, it wasn't like it's not funny. Like in you know, if you're going in to have a good laugh, like that's not what you're going for. But it's clever and like it's witty and it's I don't know. Funny I, I, yeah, like I found it quite good. Like it's not stuff that my haha, that's hilarious. But no, you're like oh, that's you know, that's that's good. I like that kind of stuff. Quick yeah, question. Oh, sorry. Go I ahead, was just, Adam. I was going to say, it's not going to end in a, a Zach Jackson mic test, that sort of laughter. That's it, mate. So, um, yeah, the question I had there is, just on terms of content, is this kind of like a, a pretty G-rated thing, I assume? Like, this is something that oh, yeah, my yeah. mum could play, for instance? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's. The, I think your mum would love it. Um, she probably would, to be honest, but yes. Yeah, no, <laughs> this is very much a, I don't say kids game, but uh, otherwise it would be on the Switch. Oh, <laughs> It actually is. Um, uh, no, so no, yeah. So it's on the Switch, it's on Xbox, and it's on PC. It's out on the twenty eighth of July, so coming soon. Pretty cheap, I reckon. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely a um, yeah, a kid, uh, a kid for all ages, a game for all ages, kind of thing. Well, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, no other, no further questions. Good sirs, old chaps. No. All right. No. All right. Before we cut to the news, we're going to cut to everyone's favourite, Kieran Verbrugge, who's going to chat to us about Xenoblade Chronicles Three. All right. Hello, well played DLC crew, and hello listener. Uh, yeah, I'm here to talk about Xenoblade Chronicles Three. 
Uh, obviously, I've already spoken about this a little bit in the past uh, when it was in its preview phase. I got to speak about kind of the first chapter of the game. Um, honestly, in terms of, I guess, overall story, uh, there's not much more I can say beyond what I've already said without heading into Nintendo NDA slash spoiler territory. So I'm going to keep that uh, relatively out of the way. Um, but what I really wanted to focus on, I guess, is just how I feel about the game now, uh, some like 75, 80 hours later. Um, and the overall impression is I think this is the best in the series so far um, in the in the Xenoblade Chronicles uh, franchise, that is. Um, it's basically just the best of the, you know, the, the best bits of the first two games combined into one, um, like thematically and, and in terms of gameplay and in terms of aesthetic and everything, um, for, for many reasons, really, uh, there's, there's context to why, uh, Monolith Soft has chosen to like borrow bits and pieces, um, or kind of smash these two things together. So it's, um, it's, it's very interesting as like a third game, um, conceptually. Uh, I think it's, I think it's super, super cool what they've done. Um, but, uh, you know, in, I guess, uh, to sum up the overall vibe of the review, which you can obviously go into the, the well-played website right now and read, um, is that this is kind of like the series best iteration of combat, uh, easily the best narrative, um, visually, you know, stronger than the, the other two have been, um, but still somewhat held back by obviously the switch hardware. Um, the, like the quality of the cutscenes and the voice acting and the writing and just like everything coming out of it is just like, you know, f feels bigger than the switch, which is, I think kind of a, a really, really impressive thing. Um, there's, you know, there's a few times where there's, you know, 10, 20 minute long cutscenes of giant anime robots fucking fighting each other. And it just like, it looks like you're watching like a big budget production that's, running on a, you know, a more modern platform and you realize, you know, when it starts to get a bit blurry, oh yeah, it's on the Switch. Um, but yeah, essentially if you're a fan of the series, uh, if you're a fan of JRPGs in general, even if you haven't really dived in yet, um, like this is the one to, to do that anyway. Like you don't really need a lot of context for the story of the first, like it helps to have it. But if you, if you haven't experienced the story of the first two games, it's not a big deal at all because this is still its own self-contained thing. Um, and just like the you know, the way it presents its story is, uh, so much more, I guess, nuanced and restrained and mature than the other two. Uh, there's still like plenty of just pure anime bullshit, but there's also so much, uh, quiet contemplation and, and kind of like reflection on characters. And, um, you know, a lot of the story sort of touches on, uh, this idea of mortality and of legacy and, you know, what you do to leave your mark on the world before you go. Um, and the, the fear of not doing that and how that can hold people back and, and make them want to sort of just stay in the present instead of moving forward. And that's kind of like one of the biggest themes in the game. And it's, like, it's just really, really cool. Um, so I can, you know, wholeheartedly recommend this to anyone who likes the Xenoblade Chronicles games or hasn't really gelled with the first two, but likes the idea of them. Uh, or just wants like a big epic JRPG that's just got everything going for it. Um, the only real kind of, I guess, gripes that I had with it, which I mentioned in the review, um, there are so many systems in the game and they're all really, really cool and they all flow together really well with the exception of a couple of things that kind of just get left by the wayside, you know, a quarter, half of the way through. 
um, which is is understandable. Um, and honestly, it's kind of the better for it for not having you know even more systems on top of systems. Um, but you know, little things like the game's economy, what you know, the the money you earn to buy stuff, you earn so much of it, and there's very little to actually buy with it. So, you know, things like that kind of feel a bit superfluous. Um, and then obviously just the fact that if you're playing it in in handheld mode, uh, the Switch does <laughs> struggle a little bit. Like the performance is really really good, but there's a dynamic resolution scaling, and that can kick in super 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 hard um, when you're in the middle of like you know a really hectic battle or a really kind of epic cutscene. Um, if you can help playing it on a TV, I think it's it's mo- it feels like a game designed to be played on the TV anyway. In terms of the fact that it's got some you know thirty minute long you know, cutscene sequences in it with very little actual interaction. So it's not really a portable friendly game in a lot of ways anyway. Um, so yeah, if you can help playing it on a TV, I would definitely do it that way. And I know Nathan, you wanted to know, uh, a couple of things in particular. Um, number one, what the, the combat pace is like, uh, given it does kind of continue, uh, a little bit of emphasis that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 had on comboing your art abilities um, in essence, like just as a, as a quick explainer, in case anyone needs the context, um, the game's battle system essentially kind of feels like an MMO where your characters will kind of just continually auto attack with their basic attack while you sort of position them and, and think about what attacks you actually want to use. And those all run on like a, like a charge. So, you know, you'll have your, your three main sort of arts they're called. Uh, your skills that you can, you know, unlock as you level up your class and you can choose which ones you want to slot. Um, they'll just recharge uh, over time or as you attack. Um, and then you, you know, you use them and you wait for them to recharge again. Um, and you can sort of combo these. Uh, and that's like a big way to, to sort of get an edge. Um, in this game, there's a, a pretty big focus on cancelling arts into other ones. Um, and you also get uh, you know, your three main art slots and then you inherit three others uh, from your, your like, I guess, like partner character who is uh, interestingly like the the two sort of races, I guess, in the, in the world, like one sort of their arts recharge over time and the other um, their arts recharge as you auto attack. So three of your main characters, your main party of six, um, recharge one way and three the other and eventually you start crossing over. So your characters will have like three, you know, time-based recharge arts and three attack-based. Sorry if that's, if I've just, you know, botched that, that explanation, but, um, you know, and you can fuse those together as well. So you can chain up to six attacks and, and then your big like finisher once, once you've charged that up and you can also fuse, uh, your six down into like three, you know, com- combined versions of each other. Um, and obviously you can use a little like tactical menu to command your other party members to jump in on the combos you started and stuff as well. There's like, there's kind of a lot of moving parts, um, to think about, which sounds like, you know, like it could be a lot, but it's actually like the, the in-game HUD and stuff is very, very good at telling you exactly what you need to know at every moment. Um, and even telling you like, you know, what arts do what in what situation without you really having to read too much. Um, so there's, there's kind of always something to look at and focus on. And I don't think there's ever, there was ever really a time where I felt like I was just standing around waiting for stuff to happen. Um, there are just a lot of really, really cool like systems and things that kind of integrate together. So yeah, like it def- definitely doesn't feel like that, you know, the second game where 
you would you would wait for the right things to recharge, use them, and then just kind of have to wait again. Um, so that yeah, they did a really good job with that. Um, and you also wanted to know what the re-onboarding is like, which is <laughs> something that I'm always very uh, interested in when I start a new JRPG because I do tend to fall off things and then jump back on them when I have time and, and realize that I have no fucking idea what's going on. Um, so in, in this, they have uh, a very, very, very comprehensive tips menu, um, which obviously just starts storing any tutorials that the game gives you, which it gives you quite a lot uh, and over a fairly long time, even like towards the end of the game you know you'll get like a new hero character or a new class or whatever and it will explain how their unique abilities work and stuff so there's just you know this encyclopedia of different things you can you can refer to at any time um, but beyond that there's actually also like a vr training menu thing that you can access through the menu at any time um, and that'll actually challenge you to use the concepts that it's taught you not just like the basic commands but like how to put them together properly um so that's really good uh, for if you've, if you not even if you just have taken a, a big break, but if you haven't used a particular strategy in a while and you're like, how does that work again? And you can go back and you can actually try it out and see how it works in real time. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and I guess lastly, Jordan wanted to know uh, as someone who despises Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which I feel like that's strong. I, I like I like the second game, um, but obviously you didn't. And will you like Xenoblade Chronicles 3? I think if you like the first one, you will love this one. So if the if the second one was too big titty anime waifu uh, weird for you, uh, I don't know what... I feel like that's probably not the reason you don't like it because I feel like that's the reason you would have played it in the first place. Um, but whatever it is, um, I think if you enjoyed the first Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, there's a lot in this that will kind of resonate with you as well. So uh, I hope that answers the questions that you chaps had for me. Um, and I hope that anyone who's interested in Xenoblade Chronicles 3 uh, has come away from this little spiel of mine with some idea of whether they're going to be into it. So yeah, thanks for having me on temporarily. Bye. All right, shout-outs to Big KV there for sharing his thoughts. You can go read his review on the website now. It's a banger, as always. All right, let's get to the news. Cool. All right. So let's go to the news. I don't think there's hasn't been a, a big news week. Uh, well, actually, maybe it has. Um, headlines. Let's see what we got. Um, I know you guys probably don't want, really want to talk about it, so we'll work through this. But FIFA 23 is releasing September 30. Actually, I did play this. I played this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I don't really have much to share because I kind of fucked up and misread the the timings of everything uh so i only played like a couple of games uh when i should have played a lot a lot more uh, i didn't realize that the beta or the hands-on session was actually only limited to a few days so that's my bad but um seems pretty pretty good to me if you like i feel like fifa games this will be the same um even though it is different i know people think it's just the same game but <laughs> Uh, it does play a little bit different. There's some new shooting mechanics, which going to be interesting to see how the community feels about it. Um, yeah, but until I've sort of played more, I probably can't really say much much more than that. Plus, also, the embargo is super tight and not everything has lifted yet, so don't want EA to sue me. Uh, but that's, that's coming out September 30. Uh, you can get it early, which is uh, September 27 uh, for the Ultimate Edition. 
Sam Kerr, which we might have spoken about last week, is on the cover with Kylian Mbappe as um, Ultimate Edition. And she's also the solo star on the cover in Australia and New Zealand. And I think also the Amazon global exclusive cover or something like that, um, which I think is actually kind of a weak move. Uh, I feel like they should have maybe made Sam Kerr the cover of just everywhere, Sam Kerr and Mbappe, but uh, that's that. Um NT or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga collection is releasing on August 30. I don't know if anyone really wants to say anything about this other than it looks pretty cool, keen to play. Yeah, pretty much. It's It's got a shitload of classic Ninja Turtle games on it from right from arcade through to like Genesis, I think. So I'm sure it'll make a lot of yeah. fans of those older games very happy because it seems like a pretty pretty complete collection. Do we have a price? I wonder how much it is. I'm going to go to JB. Let's see what we got. Do we want to take a, a stab? Nathan, what do you reckon, mate? What's your... Oh, okay. Okay. 60 feel. For a physical. I'm going to go 49.95. I'm going to undercut you a little bit. Price is right rules. Yeah, well, mate, you should have gone with your, uh, your EB. Heritage, oh, shit. <laughs> $64 for it. Oof. So, uh, yeah. James, how do we feel about that price? Is that... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Come on, Larry, is is the price is right? It's a price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's got like 13 games in it. I mean, they're yeah. all very old games, but I suppose there's a lot of content in there. There is. No, it looks good. Uh, yeah, it looks good. Uh, multiverses, getting new characters. Adam, you want to quickly talk about this? Sure thing. One of them is LeBron James. That's a time. Uh, it's his animated look. He's just LeBron from the new Space Jam movie. Uh, he'll be available, well, now, as of time of recording. Uh, Morty from Rick and Morty is also joining the roster August 9th. And then Rick will be joining him later on in the season. I also did look up and there are 16 characters available in the roster at the moment. But this will bring it up to 19. So there's you know, a respectable amount for a game that's technically still in beta. Uh, but yeah, LeBron looks pretty fun. He's a brawler. You can use a basketball to get some distance. Looks pretty cool. Keen to play as him. When does um, Multiverses come out again? So it'll be in open beta, so everyone can play it for free from tomorrow. So the 27th, if you're, you're listening to it, you know, post 27th. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the full game and season one starts on August 9th. Oh, okay, cool. So it's actually not too far away. No, it's actually, the corner. I'm getting more and more interested in this the more I see. Yeah. Uh, Ubisoft's um, financial old mate came out and some news around that is that Avatar Frontiers of Pandora has been delayed to 2023, uh, April the earliest. I don't think anyone's probably surprised by that. No, not overly. <laughs> I, c- I can't imagine they're super keen to delay it being that fucking i don't know what's it called shape of avatar shape of water whatever the second <laughs> avatar movie is called shape um of water, that would be an interesting mix. yeah what a <laughs> what a crossover event but yeah that comes out in december so i'd imagine they'd want to get it as close to that as possible so delaying it probably isn't preferred for them obviously but no i don't think anyone's surprised being that it's been radio silent since it was properly announced like what like a year ago i don't know it's been a while now plus we- it wouldn't be avatar without delay yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Have we seen anything from it? I know we like properly seen it. Is there gameplay and stuff? 
Nah, not yet. There was the the trailer that came out. I think it was like June or July last year, and that's the last time we've seen it. Because it was it was semi announced back in 2017 that they just said that um, Massive were working on it, and that's it. And then they unveiled it last year, and that's that's literally all we've seen. Ubisoft's just they're in such a weird spot at the moment. Um... Like they're yeah, they're gone, in they're in flux gone, at the moment, aren't they? Really, they've gone backwards a lot. Mm. They've got nothing good. Everything they do do have feels the same. Everything mm. that anything that they do have that is good, they don't really care about. I know that uh, KV's a a big uh, big supporter of Roller Champions, uh, and that looks like it's on its last legs. Even though they are saying that it's that it's not. Yeah, um, they had to. Re- they released a full statement saying, "No, we're not axing the game." But guaranteed, in like a couple months, they're going to be like, "Yeah, so we're actually not working on Roller Champions anymore because it's Ubisoft." But yeah, we'll see. The, I guess. And for a long shooter, time now, yeah. Ubisoft has become a bit of like a pejorative term. Like an Ubisoft game mm-hmm. is yeah. something that you don't want to be compared yeah. to. Even though you know, I'm sure all of us have some enjoyment of an Ubisoft game, whether it be Far Cry, Assassin's Creed, whatever. But again, it's still uh, an unflattering association. There's just... They don't have a good... They don't have a distinct portfolio now. It all just feels like one big blueprint. Mm. Kind, yeah. yeah. The design ethos just seems to be yeah. scale, um, which is... Mm. I under, like If it's the one game you buy a year, you know, speaking of like value for games and whatnot, like if you're a very casual game consumer, like I'm, I'm sure it's great that Valhalla can run you 150 hours worth of the same content over those 150 hours. Um, but yeah, once you start paying attention to the blueprint that they're using, like was it Skull and Bones now looks exactly the same? Um, yeah. like it, uh, yes, it's on boats, but you know, it's towers and resources <laughs> and just... Uh, yeah. Sorry, I, need, I just need to interrupt. Are you drinking Pasciotto out of a glass there, Zach? I am. And you want to give Adam shit for eating ice cream out of a mug. What? Pasciotto is not Pasciotto without its trademark purple can, mate. Oh, mate, I can't just... I buy the I buy the 1.25 litre bottles, mate. Like, come on. Okay, I'm, all right. I'm, I'm not going to drink point. I say drink it out of a fucking mug. Unless you go to a dentist <laughs> that uh, is cheap. No, no, I, I concede. You got me on that one. Gee, I thought I thought you'd decanted a can and yeah, I was about to have some things <laughs> to talking. say, mate. Now we're talking. Um <laughs> but yeah, Ubisoft, yeah, they've cooked it a bit. Um now I've lost where I was. Uh Lord of the Rings Golem has been delayed. That was announced this morning, delayed by a few months, no new date. Uh there was a trailer a couple weeks, months ago, month ago. I think it was like I think it was last month the the trailer and oh, it looked a little on the rough, rough. side. Yeah, it, yeah. Did, it, it did look rough. Uh, but they've come out and they've said, uh, first of all, we would like to thank all of you for your patience and support so far over the last years. Our team has been working hard to bring you a remarkable story in a breathtaking world filled with magic and wonder. We are dedicating to meeting our community's expectations and uh, and uncovering the the untold story of Gollum in a way that honors the vision of. J.R.R. Tolkien. That being said, in order to deliver the best possible experience, we've decided to push the release by a few months. We'll update you with exact timing in the near future. Um, again, not surprising, but also a little bit surprised. I thought they'd um, I thought this was locked in. Now that it's sort of only like a month away, I thought 
mostly because when I, I did that 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 list uh, and we did our next round of Open Critic Challenge um, scores and that was part of it. So, you know, two days later, uh, cheers. Thanks for that, Nacon. Shout outs. Um, or, no, no, not, sorry, not Nacon. They Dalek, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Sorry, Nacon. Didn't mean to throw you under the bus there. <laughs> Uh, James, you got any thoughts on, on this? I can't remember if you're a Lord of the Rings guy or not. I'm not a Lord of the Rings guy. Um, I'm looking forward to that Prime series. I think that looks fine. You know, I, I like the high-end television shows. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was just looking up what this developer has made before to see if I had any sort of point of reference for their work, and I, I don't. So um, it's one of those games when, like, I saw the title of it, I was like, who's asking for this? Um, like, And especially in game form, like, the untold story of Golem in a video game um, is, is just a strange pitch from, from the get-go. Who's actually the developer? Is it is it Daedalic? Are they it the ones Daedalic. that are yeah. the ones yeah. And it's a weird before. game to come from that studio who's traditionally done like a lot of point and click games and stuff. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, so it looks a little rough. Hopefully, also it does sort of get it out of, uh, I mean, it's not busy around that time, but it is starting to heat up around that September period. So uh, might give it a little bit more breathing room. Uh, World of Warcraft Classic Wraith, Wrath of the Wrath of the Lick King. Light King, Lich King, is yeah, coming boy. September twenty-seven. Uh, I have not read this, so I couldn't tell you anything about it. Anyone read it? No, it's an old no. expansion that they're it, it, re-releasing, which is but, really fucking weird. Yeah, th- this was th- this was one of the big sort of epitome expansions for World of Warcraft back in the day. This is was the pinnacle of World of Warcraft in its sort of classic state um, before. Uh, it sort of went through a complete sort of 2.0 revamp and a, a lot of that legacy stuff was lost to time. So this has been sort of the goal that people have been inching towards, those people that have been wanting WoW Classic. Um, so like Ash kind of has suggested before, um, WoW Classic doesn't really have much further to go beyond this expansion. So this might be sort of where development might kind of halt for the, for the classic community, and, and that might be all the community wants. This is certainly what they've been working towards. Still feels weird of re-releasing expansions for an old, like a re-release of an old game. It just, it's it's odd. Like, I know I'm not in the MMO community, and I probably don't understand the little nuances that come with WoW Classic, but yeah, re- expansions for a re-release of an old game, just it, it leaves a weird taste in my mouth. It's just odd. Mm, it's It was something that was kind of lost to time. So there's a big nostalgia mm. aspect to this. And look, it's kind of pulling at my heartstrings. So maybe it'll bring me back because as someone that did play WoW before its big revamp, this was huge. This was WoW at its peak. So this is exciting for that community. The rest of us won't care. Hmm. You're right. So <laughs> the other thing that we have is Resident Evil 4 Demake. Now, this is just a concept trailer. Um, James, you're probably the the, the other bigger, mm. big RE fan here. What, what do you think about this? So just for context, it's like a little 10, I think it's the first 10 minutes of, or it's it's 10 minute concept gameplay trailer where they've taken RE4 and made it to look, to look like the original uh, you know, one, two, three RE games uh, with the sound effects and whatnot. What you what you think? 
Yeah, I, I watched like a second of it and was like, fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> like, um, it, it just instantly hits the exact vibe that it should. I, I get the impression it's what, like the village section, right? Like that initial yeah, yeah. Uh, opening part of the game. Um, but yeah, there was uh, one particular shot of like the, the clock, the tower where you can climb up to find mm. the shotgun ammo at the top. And like the camera switches around and kind of looks at you awkwardly walking into the tower. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is great. Yeah. It pulls at my, my heartstrings, you know? Yeah, so it's got the fixed cameras. It's got the I don't know what you call them, but the but the loading screen transitions, you know, of, mm. of like the doors of the like the ladders, like like you know, like uh, where you walk up. It's got all the um, sound bites and sound effects from from the original games. Yeah, it looks it looks really good. Um, hopefully, it's by. Uh, sorry, I didn't mention who it was from. It's by. Um, it was Link. There it is. Um, Sorry, it is by Biohazard Espana. Um, and they just sort of say that, yeah, it's a concept and they're going to see see what happens. But, I mean, a lot of the feedback on the YouTube um, video, like in the comments, has been super, super positive. So, yeah, it's designed to um, look like a PS1 game and it definitely nails that vibe. And I've lost the doco. Gotham Knights Batgirl trailer shows her combat abilities. Looks all right. Adam, explain. Yeah, that that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell, mate. Um, Batgirl looks like she plays similar to Batman. So she's not as maybe unique as the other three playable characters. She's, she's very much what we're probably used to from the Rocksteady games. Not that this is a Rocksteady game. Um, and yeah, the game continues to look bang average or well, it looks fine like it doesn't look like it's it's gonna excite me in in any great way but i'm happy to be proven wrong i was gonna ask about that because i remember i think it was the red hood gameplay that they released i don't know a couple of months ago whatever it was when they started showing off um like upgrade paths and skill trees and i was like oh no yeah this is what you've made um yeah. because you know the initial pitch of that being like arkham but co-op is is great i'm in let's go like it's gonna be a great time with the boys um and then when it's like you can collect bits of metal from around the world like no i don't want to do that (laughs) like um it just seems to run counterintuitive to like the power fantasy that those games initially presented um so yeah yeah i remember watching the original trailer for it and i was super super in until they showed combat where the those little numbers popped up above their heads and i was like oh fuck no please no please don't do that um, and the more they've shown of it, and I know Jordan will love me saying this, but it definitely feels or looks like the the Marvel Avengers game that <laughs> released a couple of years ago, which, you know, had some positive aspects to it. But on the whole, it was not the, the superhero game that people want. And I don't think this is what people want from the, the Batman Arkham style of games. Again, they've made it very clear it's not in the Arkhamverse, but still, it just... it doesn't look like it's going to hit what people want but we'll see again very very happy to be proven wrong look mate it doesn't matter what you want it's about what the developers want to make so you got to respect their vision that's true i'm the asshole (laughs) that's it um off the top of your head uh and this is a question to everyone the four Four. Four similar games in my mind, so they might not be similar at all, but like superhero sort of stuff. <clears throat> uh, Midnight Suns, no, Marvel's Suns, whatever it's called. Midnight Suns, yeah. Midnight Suns, yeah. Uh, Multiverses, let's just throw that one in there. Uh, Gotham Knights and 
Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Which one are you keen for the most and the least? Go, Adam. Suicide Squad I'm excited for the most because it's rock steady and I trust that they'll be able to get it done. Plus it's co-op, so I think that'll be a banger of a time. Um, and Gotham Knights is the least, the one that I'm least excited for. I've played mm-hmm. some of Multiverses. It's fun. And Midnight Suns looks fucking awesome. So, yeah, unfortunately, Gotham Knights is right down the bottom. Just be on. James? Uh, yeah, Gotham Knights at the bottom and Midnight Suns probably at the top. Just because, uh, like, I, I've played the Rocksteady stuff. Uh, awesome. Great. I'm sure it's going to be a banger. Um, but what Midnight Suns seems to be doing, both, like, aesthetically and, like, the um, the promise of returning to, like, an XCOM-esque kind of uh, strategy experience, just it, with superheroes as well, seems like a good time. So, Nathan? For the reasons <clears throat> James just said, uh, yep, Midnight Suns well at the top. Again, everything he just said, bang on. Uh, probably follow that with Suicide Squad just because I am keen to see a bit more uh, Rocksteady, um, yeah, superhero brawler. Multiverses, as I said, continues to look really impressive, so that might even be number two for me. And yes, Gotham Knights, again, like everyone else has said, squarely at the bottom. It may just be a, a good little distraction to run through to the credits, but I suspect it's probably not going to hold any of our attentions based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, dang. Well, there you go. Uh, and, and you, Zach, do you not give two shits about any of them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, no, nah, Suicide Squad seems okay. Might be fun to dabble for a little bit, but yeah, the rest are not for me. Uh, so the big, the big people news, Xbox now has Discord chat. Uh, if you're an Xbox insider, it's coming to everybody soon. Cool. Uh, there's some PlayStation news firstly with Spider-Man on PC. So the specs have been revealed alongside the PC features. This was in a PlayStation blog post. It is coming on August 13th. So it's not too far away, only a couple of weeks, uh, but it's expensive. So we were talking a bit before about uh, prices and game and, and games and what's you know what's reasonable, but this uh, they're going to slug uh, Aussie players seventy five dollars for the standard version, and then um, how? Wait, no, sorry, sorry, I miss I misread what uh, Jordan put in this post. It's going to be one hundred and ten dollars on Steam and Epic for the for the only version on uh, PC. That seems expensive. Great, yeah. <laughs> um, does that come with Miles Morales as well, or is it just the first game? Just the this, first game. So, right. yeah, just the first game, and it's uh, it's got ray tracing. It's got NVIDIA DLSS, uh, NVIDIA DLAA, uh, display and aspect ratio. So it looks like it supports ultra wide. Jordan will be happy about that, and other PC stuff like stuff. Um. Yeah. So I don't know that that's an that's an old game, and that that's a lot of. It's a lot of lot dollars. Of, it is a lot of dollars. Um, one hundred and ten is too expensive for that game to be released on PC. I appreciate the effort that obviously needs to go into adding those features and getting it all prettied up and ported over to PC. But one hundred ten dollars is taking the piss a little bit. I think. It's well, like how a much was your old game by that point? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you can pay 
and I know it's kind of apples and oranges. Like you can pay, I think it'd be like 20 bucks and you can play it on PlayStation. And I, again, not being a massive PC guy, I can't see the experience being that massively different that it's worth paying another, what, like 80, $90 for. But you know, that's me. If you're happy to spend the money on it and have it run at a stupid frame rate and have it in ultra wide Jordan, then go for it. But yeah, it seems like a high asking price. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So the biggest news of the week, who I guess it's probably the biggest news, is that The Last of Us Part 1 got a 10-minute gameplay showing, uh, which discussed a, a few things that we can expect. Um, this There were a lot of leaks, so this looks like they've kind of just pushed, not pushed it out, sorry, but they've uh, there are a few developer comments around this, that how leaks ruin, um, you know, Dev's work and the surprises and all that sort of stuff and so yeah they've they've pushed out this video which yeah shows off a little bit of gameplay uh, highlights the differences in, like in the visuals and I think like the performance and what changes they've sort of brought um, to the experience but also the big thing was the accessibility which like already part two or sorry last was part two that already had probably almost industry leading accessibility options on console really and this is added to that um there's that um the new one that they've added is like the like the voiceover or the voice guided um commentary um which i actually kind of want to play with just to hear it like just to experience it um it all sounded pretty cool but what do you make of the gameplay and what we got has anybody has anyone's opinion here more speaking to nathan and Adam, because I'm not too sure on James on, on your position, but I, I can kind of guess uh, whether this game is for you or not. Or, so, or, or, sorry, justifies its existence. E- remains to be seen in terms of justifying its existence. But again, I still stand by what I've said previously. I'm really tickled to to play through this again with its with its revamped AI, you talk industry leading or uh, accessibility. I also think that game had industry leading AI. I was just on another level, um, so I'm a bit tickled in that regard. Uh, yeah, that, uh, but but mm, does it does it justify the existence of this product? Hmm, that's going to remain to be seen. Anybody else want to jump in before I before I give my little bit? <laughs> No, I don't think it justifies its existence. <laughs> I know. James, how much I've, are they charging for it? I think it's is full, going to be like a full price. It, it's the full yeah, one hundred and twenty-five. It does. It does. It does mm. come with the DLC though, so you do get the Left Behind DLC, okay. yep. which is yep. probably almost the best DLC I think I've ever. Played. Surely you made, did with the when it came to PS4, you got it with that, and it was like yeah, like the definitive whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why this exists. Um, like, I think the game still looked incredible as it was. Um, so, great. Uh, I don't know. It, it's hard to tell. Like, I, I don't begrudge them wanting to, you know, just remaster their work so it can be, like, the best possible version of it sort of moving forward and whatnot. Um, the, the cynical leftist part of my brain, though, is just, like, 
don't charge this much for this then like don't this doesn't mm. as a product i don't see why this exists as an artistic endeavor especially with the accessibility options i i'm all for that stuff i think that's great um as a full release though is where i start getting a little bit mm, okay so the only thing i would i would say and like i've been quite a defender of this but who says this game is for you you've already played it there's no one's telling you to go mm. and buy this this game exists for the people who a want to play it again and the bunch of people that might not have already played it gaming i think has grown a lot since that came first came out and yes it came out on the ps4 but that was very early doors ps4 um as we know that it, it's been rebuilt for the ps5 so it, it looks a lot better it is the definitive version of uh you know of their vision and whatnot so i think i don't i really understand the argument the, or sorry not the argument people complaining why it exists this game not every game is made for you my question why does gotham knights exist i don't give a shit about batman why does that game exist <laughs> i don't think like i don't think that's no but but you but you but that's kind of like my point like that's fine because there are people who love batman and that sort of stuff so you know that's for for them but this is one of the uh, considered one of the best games ever made it to me makes sense with a tv show coming out there's going to be more eyeballs on this franchise yeah shake your head all you want but uh, <laughs> but i think i'm right like i think you, you you can't complain like this game is not made for you adam you've played it that's great you had a good time leave it at that like no one's forcing you to go out and play it the fact that you want to play it is why i think you're upset that it's 125 dollars no, I don't I, think he wants I don't, to though. I, I think don't, you do want I to don't play. want to play. No, I absolutely I think you don't. Do. I'd prefer Naughty Dog to be working on something original. But they are. They are. We but know that they're working on uh, an unannounced project. We know that Neil's doing something else. We know that they're working on the Last of Us multiplayer or the other thing. So there's three other things that like that that they're working on. Fair. I know, we've we've spoken in length about it, but we have. I think you and I just will always come to to loggerheads with this because. I see it as a, a, a needless remake, whereas I, th- I think you can see the, the more optimistic side of things. I don't but agree yeah, with I'd... the price, and I've said that. Like, I think the, the, like the 125 is, is too much. I agree with That's that. That's my I, I, I think That's... it's too expensive. Um, with, with the, the DLC, yeah, sure. I think it's like a, like a really good DLC, but it probably is too expensive. But still, like, I think if you don't want to play it, then don't play it. Like, uh, and, and just remind me, there's there's no factions multiplayer with this, is there? No. I don't so think that's, so, no. No, no so there's no, not. Which, which is a, a little bit of a shame, right? Because that, that was decent. I never played factions. I feel like I really missed something with, with that because I hear really good People things People seem really it. high on it. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Well, for, the, buddy, for the five minutes it was hot Watson's in Australia, yes. Still. <laughs> yeah. he, still, he still plays it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I find that everything that, Sony first party does is like just amplified or put under this huge microscope and criticized massively when, you know, other companies do similar things, worse things, whatnot, you know, but, uh, yeah. I'm just trying are. to, cause, cause I'm an ardent defender of anything PlayStation and I fly the, the blue flag as much as possible. I'm just, you know, if, if I disagree with something that they do, I think it's important to, to call that out rather than just let it fly by. Cause but, so okay, let's just. So when did the original game come out? What seven years ago? Twenty 
2013, almost 10 years ago. Okay, so 10 years ago. So let's say little Jimmy, little Jimmy Jones. Good old little Jimmy. He's 13. You know, mum hasn't let him, you know, mum hasn't bought him a PS3. They've bought him whatever Nintendo consoles out because that's, you know, for kids. Poor little Jimmy. (laughs) He's moved out of home. He can't afford a PS4. But he's seen what he he's loved what he's seen. He goes goes onto YouTube, watches gameplays. Oh, can't wait to play it! And he, cool, brand new games coming out, a, a, a rebuilt, a, a you know remade for 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 the PS5, which he's got. He saved up his little tax return. He's bought himself a PS5. You're telling him that he can't play that because you think it's a cash grab and you think it shouldn't exist. So any new fan of this series shouldn't enjoy the best possible version of a super acclaimed game i yes. think if if little jimmy is going to get enjoyment out of it fantastic i just don't think it needs to exist i think that the last the last of us is accessible enough to play on playstation 5 as it is in its ps4 that's, that's what format. i was about to say nah, yep. plays like bum i'm sorry it Which fucking doesn't that's <laughs> bullshit does. because i played the game nah. like six months after the second one came out so nah, that's in the not so distant past the game plays fine and the the side by sides that they've shown between the original and part one there's a part of me that goes wow that looks phenomenal but the another part of me that goes geez that game's held up really well as the the original that runs on ps4 Mm -hmm. i think little jimmy should play the original and appreciate the the jump in quality from the the first to the second rather than so Someone you're going back and putting a fresh paint, a fresh coat of paint on a. You're a telling little Jimmy to go to go to Cashies with his PS5, sell it, trade it in for a little PS3. That probably won't work. No, I'm possibly, telling him to play the, the readily chipped. available version that's on the PlayStation collection. It's a part of the PS, yeah, PlayStation want, but you, collection. But you want the authentic experience, so you've got to play it on the PS3, mate. What? Who are you arguing with? No one. <laughs> I think I think little Jimmy should go fuck himself is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I was just trying to see how long I could go with this. <laughs> little he's Jimmy's try- got a rough future ahead. He's trying to pad out our runtime. I know what he's doing. Can probably I lives, uh, probably lives in Can Ross. I bring up an alternate perspective? I guess um, uh, from a video game preservation point of view, right? So you know you've just referred to the Last of Us Part One as as you know it's a masterpiece, it's a classic, it's you know something everyone should be able to play in its best possible mm. form, and like I, I understand that perspective, right? So then what happens when we get to PS Six? And the only one you can buy is the PS5 remastered version because they say like, oh, we're not moving over, you know, old PS3 and PS4 games to the PlayStation 6. Um, well, that's sad, yeah. Well, and, and that's obviously, again, it's, it's as hypothetical as little Jimmy there with his strange economy situation going on. <laughs> but um, I, I do think that there's something to be said about ensuring that the original texts of these things are consistently made available and there is value in them being the original text i understand wanting to give it a fresh coat of paint and like make it like on par with part two but part of what makes video games interesting as historical art pieces is that they do reflect the times in which they're made and the shortcomings or whatever you want to call it the um limitations of the time are part of that inherent charm and i worry that if we move to this kind of like ultra slick everything has to be remastered you know to be like oh well why would the kids want to play it if it's not shiny and new um i think it does a discredit to the audience and also to the art form itself is my and it's too expensive so i agree (laughs) i I think sony should do a better job at uh, video game preservation. If you if mm. you were kind of like what Xbox was doing, I think they don't really yeah. do Chef's that. Kiss. 
Um, at least they're both ahead of Nintendo, but um, that's a whole other problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> but in that situation, little Jimmy, you know, the advice I gave to him, go out and buy a PS3 and play the original. You'll never lose it, mate. You'll, uh, you, you, then you've got it. Preserve that bad boy. There's some wisdom there to old daddy, old daddy Jackson, the, the PS3. Banger console. Little Jimmy, you've got some fun times yeah. ahead. Metal Gear um, Solid collections on it. Oh, Look at Jimmy go. Mm. Uh, Ratchet no, and Clanks yes. for days. <laughs> can you can you buy the original? And I don't mean the remastered PS4 version. Can you buy actually buy the original? that the original digitally? No, because it's not for much longer. Yeah, I can't imagine the PlayStation Three store is still a thing, right? It's like winding down anyway. next year. Yeah. Isn't okay, it? Right. yeah. Or so am I making that up? So I guess they're they're backwards capability needs to improve because mm. even like that that still pl- plays into the point that you that you bring up is that you know this is a the only option available is the slickest version kind of thing like if you wanted to actually play the the original as such mm. you would have to go back and like actually buy a ps3 um mm. yeah yeah fair. but that's i guess that's the console that's just what we do that's isn't the, it? That's the just, thing that's there's also a small with. part of my brain that wonders if because i mean the reception to part two was divisive let's say mm. not not from a critical point of view right but from a fan base point of view and so i yep. wonder if them trying to retrot out the first one is like oh remember the thing you liked when we didn't upset you um it is i, I know that's cynical but like i think the reaction to part two was like deeply cynical in and of itself and so i just i wonder if that's a factor in any of this um a bit of brand management I, I also, and back that goodwill <laughs> also, yeah i want to ask Jay, this it's it's all going to tie into what we talk about but i want to talk about just very very quickly the resident evil like the remakes that they do because i know that i think they do them like very well but hmm. they're no you know they're not a not a stranger to to a a remaster to a shiny coat to a, a new edition like they've done you know they're plenty guilty on that um so i think just and i'm taking naughty dog at their word here is you know this has allowed them to you know the limitations of the ps3 you know which i guess is known now probably wasn't known so much at the time but you know as as technology advances it allows them to do more and they're saying that the hardware on the ps5 will give them well, sorry, will allow them to make uh, to better achieve their vision or whatever it is that they said. You compare the RE2 and the RE2 remake, which were the same but different. Like obviously, like uh, on the on the remake, they they put in new new areas and adjusted some things here and there. And I don't know if they ever said it was it was to you know for a better vision, but I guess after twenty odd years, it allowed them to tinker with some things and and play around. I think that I think that could be just a part of it here um you know back in the day he you know hey we want to do this but we can't do it because the ps3 the hardware won't support it and then this is a good opportunity for for them to do it kind of thing um similar to kind of what i guess they'll they'll do with re4 yes i think re2 and re3 sort of stand alone in this sense just very, because very the different games, though, yeah. uh yeah like they're, yeah, they're so yeah. fundamentally different from a, even a baseline mechanic point of view they they yeah. completely yeah. redid that experience um re4 i definitely will find to be the most interesting because that game you can you can buy it on everything it's still fantastic um i 
uh, yeah, I don't begrudge them making like a, a vibe uh, shift in, in their new one because it looks like they're going for like sort of a different tone and whatnot. And I'm sure that they'll tidy up some of like, you know, Ashley's writing and whatnot. Like I, I don't doubt that those things could be made better. Um, it just with, with The Last of Us specifically, I, I think it is a distance thing, right? Like that mm. game is going to be the same game. Like it'll be gussied up, but it's the same bones yeah, of course, sort of yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Now, I think we mostly agree uh, one or two things we maybe don't so much agree on, but I think you know the price is yeah, is definitely one thing, and I think we said it a couple of weeks ago, but RE four is going to be about a hundred bucks, I think, or ninety dollars. Mm. Yeah, okay. I'd imagine it would be. It'd be think, a full I think retail, we so yeah. At it, yeah. Um, all right, let's quickly go into the off topics uh, before we close up. I think that's all for the news. I think. Did yeah. Actually, yeah. Didn't, didn't That's mean for the that big to go stuff. on for, for so long. Um, <laughs> all right, anything uh, off topics that anyone wants to share, any TV shows or whatnot that they've that people watch before we get in to what to what the people want. <laughs> all right, I'll go first. Uh, I feel like one of you folks have mentioned it to me, or maybe I've just made it up. But have any of you guys seen Mister Mercedes? Yeah. Whole thing. Oh, it's so it is you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, got just fired up my binge subscription the other day and was having a bit of a look through and found myself lacking. Like I'd seen a lot of the HBO stuff, but it, that's been sitting there for a while. Mm. And I think Brendan Gleeson is terrific. Yep. No questions asked. So I gave it a crack and surprisingly found season one really enjoyable. Went straight through it. Couldn't stop watching. Um, definitely, you know, as far as Stephen King adaptations are concerned really really good but i'm on season two and i don't it's like homeland and some other shows it's one of those ones that inherently doesn't have a reason to have a season two and it's kind of losing me really quick brendan gleason's still keeping me around i think the acting's terrific but the premise of season two it's one of those shows that would have easily just wrapped up at the end of season one if they hadn't have deliberately left a couple of threads hanging at the end just so that everyone could come back for another round so there's three seasons here two's losing me i think third's probably going to go way off the cliff have you have you seen it all zach i've seen it all yeah so am i am i on the right track here that season one probably doesn't have yeah, much of I, a the reason uh, season, season two rather the, the the reason for season two existing is loose paychecks it's loose um, yeah and it's super loose right from the get-go they're really really um, and if you think grasping. season two is loose you wait till you need a fucking James Webb's bloody telescope to see the threads that that that, that, that they keep in uh, season three alive. That's that's the impression I got. But season one, man, really strong stuff for a Stephen King adaptation, especially considering television. Um, and, uh, yeah. it, this might be a spoiler. It's not really, but season three has no real connection to season to the first two seasons. If that helps you push that on to see me. to see where. Like, like there's there's a connection. Tenuous. But you'll, yeah. Yeah, like, look, I'm, I'm just going to stick around for the quality of, of Mr. Gleason's acting. I, I find <clears> him extremely endearing and he really nails the character. Mm. But plot-wise, there's not much here to recommend no, other than season one. I think uh, the main villain in uh, in that show is also very, very good. In terms very good. Of, yeah, his acting, which I can't remember his name. 
Harry Treadwell? Yeah, something like that. Or something like that. Mm, sorry, it's. Yeah, I think he's he's an English actor. He, I remember him from Penny Dreadful. He was Victor Frankenstein. Yes, yeah. James, have you seen it? I'm, I'm surprised you have not seen it. No. Stephen King adaptations, I, I am like, see every second one is, is the way it seems to uh, work Me out. Too. And yeah. the Mr. And Mercedes usually... books. Yeah, exactly. They're usually a bit, uh. um, And I never read the books either. Or book, I'm not sure if it's no, more neither. than one. Um, so, yeah, mm. I'm, I'm much more of a fan of his um, horror slash fantasy work, I guess. I've never, I don't think I've touched his uh, crime stuff. Um, I would be surprised if... I don't know when it came out, but it seems like something that would feed into the Dark Tower. There definitely is a couple of links there, but um, I don't know. Adam, you got anything for us? Um, It's been a pretty quiet week. Key has been sick, so lots of just hanging around the house. But we watched uh, a Netflix thriller last night that was called I'm Thinking of Ending Things, um, which I don't know if any of you have dabbled in. It's... One of those movies that starts off being incredibly intriguing and it kind of throws a few threads your way that you might think will pay off in interesting ways and it really doesn't. Movie was a bit shit. But it was entertaining enough for like an hour 45 to to kind of be led along the garden path to think maybe there's going to be something interesting here. There isn't, but if if you're bored one day and don't have anything quality to watch... I'm thinking of ending things might keep you entertained for a little bit. But yeah, apart from that, not much this week, really. You just summarised how I feel about a lot of... I'm assuming it's a, a Netflix original movie, and that's how it I is. feel about a lot of a Netflix... Re- starting premise, first half hour. This seems interesting. By the time we've gotten halfway through, I can see the cliff coming pretty quickly, and we're yeah. about to go off. Yeah, there was there was a clear point where um, Key and I were sitting on the couch, and we were watching it and they kind of get into this really really long monologue and halfway through it we look at each other and we're like this has turned a bit shit hasn't it and we're (laughs) like yeah do you want to keep watching it yeah may as well and that's that's kind of how it goes but yeah i mean it was entertaining enough but definitely wouldn't recommend in any in any facet but yeah pretty quiet week for me this week uh, all I've been watching is a bit more Slow Horses on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. I definitely, mm-hmm. I highly recommend that. It's very, very, very good. Gary it's going Oldman, up on my list. Gary Oldman is very good in this show. Um, very good, very bad, but very good. Yes. Have you have you seen it? No, no, but I've heard no. all about Gary Oldman's yeah. uh, C-word character. <laughs> His character is, I- yeah, like he's, it takes, it takes a couple episodes to to, to kind of, get around him but um i'm getting around him now uh i'm writing he was a bit of he was a fucking prick uh it yep. was still kind of is yep. but um he does it so well that you just yeah that's no, good does uh, gary oldman have a type i, I he's so diverse mm. amazing is his type i fucking love gary <laughs> oldman yeah hmm uh james you've not seen slow old mate no, I haven't. That's an Apple. Is that an Apple TV yeah. thing? Yeah, Apple's yeah. going off, man. There's so much quality there now. Mm. Nice. What What have you been uh, watching? I'm finally watching season three of Westworld. Uh, while everyone else has started season four now, um, I never watched season three because back in the day I watched season two when it premiered and I was like, oh, I don't really care about this anymore. Um, and so I've recently, I forced a mate to rewatch season one with me, loved it, rewatched season two on my own and was like, oh, I actually really enjoy this. I think it's, it's great. Um, and season three, I'm only three episodes in so far and it has been 
interesting. Um, I, I quite like the hard left turn the whole show has taken. I think the cyberpunk ideas are really interesting and fun. Um, yeah, I I can see why fans of the Cowboys stuff really like jumped off the show at this point because it is <laughs> yeah. it's unrecognizable. Um, no, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, but as someone who was ready for a change and who generally enjoys well-made cyberpunk stories, it looks fantastic. It's acted exceptionally well. Um, and I think the core questions it's asking about humans and the loops that we're in and capitalism, yeah, the, the usual stuff. Um, I, I think it's good and tragic and, and very entertaining. Do you, do you think that Westworld kind of redeems itself as a watch if you can watch it sort of in one go, like kind of binge watching it? Um, I almost think it redeems itself if you can re-watch it. Because uh, I remember the mm-hmm. first time I went through season two, I was like, what is this? It was very convoluted and kind of messy and I didn't see the point of it at all. And then having all that in mind and then re-watching it and knowing where it goes, I was like, oh no, I can see the exact threads you were setting up. It's just... I think, and I don't want to turn this into a Westworld podcast, but like season one uh, very much taught people to look for mysteries and try to unravel everything and, and get very like heavily involved in that side of the show. And I think every other season since then, at least that I've seen, doesn't benefit from that um, because season two shouldn't try to be ripped apart from the get-go. It should just be sort of taken at face value. It tells you what it's about from from the first episode. Um, and I think that if you're willing to get on the show's wavelength and just accept what it's trying to do on its terms. It's very pretentious, smells its own farts way too much. Like it's exactly my kind of show. And so I get that it's not for everyone. Um, But yeah, I think season two is great. And season three so far from what I've seen, I am deeply intrigued. Yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed season three, watched the first couple episodes and I thought um, I'm struggling with the weeks between, like I'm losing track. So I waited till it wrapped up, consumed it, really enjoyed it. And I'm just holding off on four for that same reason. I'm going to wait till it's finished and just eat it all up. Mm-hmm. All right, before we get into 90s Film of the Week, question, and if you don't have an answer, that's fine, but question for everyone, this, this is just off off, uh, off the top off, of my head. Off topic? Question that notice too, so, you know, my apologies, but um, what's your favourite underrated actor that you have? So an actor that you consider is underrated, uh, that would be your favorite and and give me something that they're in that you that you quite like because james made me think of when it's obviously a very very different show and i've not seen westworld so um but for me it it would be kyle chandler uh and his work in bloodline uh i really yeah yeah good on you um like i'm a massive kyle chandler fan but that show that like before he was, oh yeah, I liked this guy. He's good, and then um, he was in Bloodline. And I was like, he's real good. He's. You might have just good. helped me pick one. Um, well, that show's got a, a couple of nominations in it, but um, yeah, he's a uh, very good. Someone can take. Can, take can he be considered underrated? Uh, you, you've sprung. Uh, there's two that I got in mind, so I want to go male and female. But uh, and I don't know if he's underrated. But he's very close to my heart, and that is Ben Mendelsohn, yeah. also from Bloodline, yeah. who also kills it in anything he's in, um, for, whether it be Star Wars, Bloodline, and, and I can't even think, Ben. But every time line. I see him, that show is very good. The set, those years are not so good because they had to it's cram a, it. It is the yeah. definition of a slow burn, yeah, right the way through. But the actors kill it, and I think so. I was, I was just going to quickly say, in terms of a recent thought, um, Kristen Stewart. I was only thinking last night as has really proven me wrong 
Um, particularly if you've seen last year's Spencer, like she's got chops for days. Um, <laughs> and I feel very, yeah, I feel dirty on my teenage self for being all hoity-toity, being like, oh, that, that Twilight girl can't act for shit. Look at her. And, and getting caught up in the online discourse of, oh, she's only got one facial emotion. She can't act. Bullshit. Um, she, 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 can, she can act with the best of them, I'm convinced. And, you know, similarly, I, I, I think I tarnished Rob, old, old Robbie Pattinson the same way. And, boof, you can't, fl- you, can't, you can't fault his career in the last few years. So, yeah, I, I have to eat humble pie with that one. I think, I think they'd be both considered underrated. Um, yeah. maybe for different reasons. I think while they might be like very good actors, it's like if you say that name to ten people, uh, is every ten person uh, every ten person every ten people? That's confusing. Yeah, I'm expecting and, uh, a mixed reception. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned it to my mum the other day. I was like, "Hey, man, I, I saw this like princess hey, Diana film with Christian Stewart." She's like, "Oh, Christian Stewart!" I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, well, there you go. See, that's um, uh, Animal James. You got anything for us? Uh, I've been going through my recent sort of letterbox to see if anything jumps out at me. Um, and this is a bit of an odd deep cut. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss. Um, I think okay. that she got pretty largely shelved after the Matrix movies initially did their push. Um, yep. And if you watch her in Matrix Resurrections and don't think like, we did this woman dirty, she should have been a star the whole time. I think you need to rewatch the movie is <laughs> my professional opinion. I, I think she is exceptional um, and never really got her time. Yeah. Did she where, do much where, after where the did, Matrix? Yeah, where did she go after the Matrix? A lot of TV work. Um, yeah, right. it, it's, oh, it's a real no. shame. Yeah. Especially because, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the dude. Keanu. You know, he yeah. goes on to become, like, a, you know, the internet's favourite person, apparently. Mm. Um, and I think that it sucks that she gets relegated to just, like, oh, she was in the Matrix, right? Because, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. really good actress. Mm. Nice. Good shout. He's a deep cut. <laughs> I don't have a I don't have a particularly good one. The only person that came to mind because we're watching Peaky Blinders at the moment is Killian Murphy, but that's only because of him getting prominent roles in something like um, Batman Begins and then getting like background, like on Dark the periphery. Yeah, like uh, acting roles that are kind of on the periphery, where people kind of thinking that's all he he does. But then when he gets a leading role, man, uh, a leading role. A leading man role. I got there in the end. Uh, he's phenomenal. Like in Peaky Blinders, he eats up every scene that he's in, and I think he's exceptional. So you know, that's my pick. A film that he's days really, really good yes. in. That I am not afraid to say that I really, really enjoy this film. In time with Justin Timberlake, he's. The it's got a really keeper. cool premise, but the movie's a bit bum. I thought I actually. <laughs> so I, I've heard. I quite liked it. I quite liked it's, it. It's okay. That's another one of those movies that I, I know was. isn't, yeah, that I know isn't particularly excellent, but it's still pretty entertaining. And it I has, thought, yeah, it's got a really I thought he premise. was really good at it. Um, he is good at it, yeah. Yeah. Good question. Well, there you go. Good off, off topic, mate. Yeah, good mm. off topic. Um, all right, so 90s film of the week. Now, Nathan, you got one this week? Jordan, no, not cue this the week. Intro. It's all you. Uh, so, this week, I'm going to go with the one I was going to go with last week until I did a pivot and went to blue chips but this week is night watch uh the 1997 film that features ewan mcgregor nick nolte which is how we got to blue chips last week um and it's where he is i'm just trying to find the synopsis for you so i give you the proper uh little 
little roundup here. So a law student takes a job as, a, as the night watchman in a morgue, thinking that he will have much time to study, with his biggest problem being his paranoia in this scary setting. Meanwhile, a serial killer is on the loose, and the student ends up getting mixed up with one of the murderers, with, with one of the murders, becoming a suspect. Oh, it's a remake of a Danish film. Uh, look, it's that not. Checks out. I don't remember it being. <laughs> I don't remember it, uh, it being super amazing, but interesting. Uh, do, you, do you know what you're recommending us, mate? You, you... No. <laughs> it's no. been a while since I rewatch. Has well, I actually flicked through. Where, where my, are you picking uh, these from? You're just going through like your, your DVD shelf or something. You know it. See, you got me. <laughs> I've, I've got a little DVD. Oh, he's such a dad. Uh, hey, okay. So what? I, okay, saved space, mate. I, I got rid of all the covers. Got rid of all the covers and chucked them uh, all out and the cases. I was going to say wait, wait, he's what? not looking at his cases. He's flicking through his album. I know what he's doing. I kept I kept the ones that I wanted to keep, um, but for the other eighty percent of ones that I didn't really care. To save on on space, I just kept a, I bought a CD wallet and threw the cases out and kept the discs. Jesus web sack. It's got a twenty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, mate. Yeah, look, I um, it's look, I don't remember being the CD wallet. I don't remember being that great. <laughs> What's wrong with the CD wallet? I haven't seen a CD wallet in at least ten years. I didn't know they were still manufactured. Mate, I bought actually I, I bought a CD last week. Uh, caskets. Of course I did, mate. I buy CDs all the time, mate. I love it. I'm keeping that. He was a keeping that media. He was alive. that kid at school that used to wear a discman on his belt. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> didn't, didn't wear actually. So this is actually a very very. Didn't true. wear the belt, Nathan. Didn't wear the belt. I was, I've, I've never been a belt guy, but in my because I went to St Pat's, you know, we had small? We, we had blazers. Oh, that is harsh. Oh, no. like, why? Why? <laughs> why? That was so good. <sighs> you tall people always go into the small jokes, aren't you? Um, no, but I want to hear the disman. No, on. sorry, just in my blazer at my private school. Um, it was just sitting in, in one of the pockets. And mm, I'd always yep. be walking around with the discman. And I was uh, somewhat known as a guy who would have a new CD every week. So somewhat go. known as the guy. Well, you know, you have to like, tell everyone. In like grade yeah. eight. <laughs> oh, it was this bloke. Like, they're going to go, oh, he's the guy with, that has a new CD every week, you know, there. But. Uh, <laughs> I mean, by the end of the month, that's what eighty bucks. You know, that's, it wouldn't have been overly cheap back then. No, and and eighty bucks back. Yeah, all right. A CD's still twenty dollars. Is that normal? Uh, thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Maybe maybe a little bit more now for some. Yeah, hmm. for so some it didn't really waver for decades, did it? Nah, some yeah. you have to actually like because obviously there's nowhere to really that sells them anymore. Um, so most. Most you got to buy directly from the bands, or well, some most of the stuff that I get, um, you have to buy like from the bands or like the labels shop. So with shipping, it, it can come to like forty bucks, like for a Jesus. especially at the moment. Yeah. 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 Anyway, cool. Um, let us know if you watch Nightwatch or if you will watch Nightwatch or anything about Nightwatch. Uh, let us just let us know. Or if you wore the disman on the school grounds, or if you're look, if you're a disman kind of guy, let me know. I've got a, I've got a special group that's uh for the uh the it's called, I don't know what it's called. Anyway, um, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Well Played DLC podcast. Go to www.well-played.com.au and check out the content. And we will see you next week. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. You always end with fireworks, mate. That's it. (laughs) Farewell.
Bye.